This is episode 172, all about the off-season, that frustrating time after a big race, but before your next training cycle begins. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to is a listener-requested topic. We're going to discuss the off-season, or in other words, that time in between seasons when it can be confusing to know what to do. So let's say you ran the Boston Marathon in April and you plan to start training for a fall marathon in July. What do you do with those in-between months? Before we start, I would like to thank you. Yes, you for making the Strength Running Podcast consistently the number one or number two most popular running podcast in the country. I so appreciate you. And what I do here on the podcast is bring you the thought leaders in the running industry, the coaches, the psychologists, elite runners, dietitians, and therapists who can help you elevate your performances. While you have to do the work, my goal is to show you the most strategic ways to do that work, to work smarter and more productively so you can take your running to the next level. Because if you better understand running, if you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll make better decisions about your training leading to more effective running, fewer injuries, and of course, faster races. Don't miss all of our other resources that can help you bring your running to the next level. We have a video channel at youtube.com strengthrunning where I answer all your questions. I show you effective strength and core routines and talk through your most pressing training issues. And of course, our home base is strengthrunning.com. For more than 10 years, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest goals. I'm also excited to introduce a new sponsor, the first tech-enabled sports nutrition company, Pure. That's P-W-U-R-E. You can find them at pwure.com. You can hook up your Strava profile or do an online consultation, and that helps you create a personalized pre- and post-run nutrition shake made from all organic ingredients. You can also use code NEXTLEVEL to save 20% on your first month. All right, let's get started with our show today. Last month, a listener emailed me, and asked if I could talk about what runners should do after they run a marathon, but before they start their next big training block. Now, whether you're training for a marathon or really any other distance, this is a great question. A good example is what to do after the Boston Marathon, but before you start training for the New York City Marathon. Now, I've done the math, I've looked at the calendar, and if you train for 16 weeks for New York, that puts the beginning of your training in late July. Now, assuming you take a full two weeks off of running after Boston, now you're left with 11 weeks. What do you do with an 11-week time period? Well, I could take this in a dozen directions, but I want to give you options no matter what type of runner that you are. So let's go through two scenarios and talk about ways that you can best use this hypothetical 11-week block of time to maintain your fitness without losing any of your gains and best position yourself for your next training block. Okay, scenario number one 
is the example I used before, the hypothetical runner who finishes Boston in April and wants to run the New York City Marathon in November. With 11 weeks of training time after a two-week post-Boston break, we also have to factor in one very easy week right before the next training cycle begins. After all, we don't want to create just one very long season. So week 11, in this example, the final week, will mostly be off from running, with just a few short, easy runs. So now we're only left with 10 weeks to play with. But wait, we can't start training hard right after a two-week break after the Boston Marathon. Marathon recovery really takes about a month to fully heal everything from your muscles to your heart, endocrine system, and your bones. So we need some more time. We need about two weeks of just mostly easy running to get back into, you know, that nice rhythm of training. It also serves to diagnose any areas that are still sore or need some extra TLC and just allow the full recovery process to play out. So if we take those two weeks out, now we're left with eight weeks to play with. Now, eight weeks is actually a fair amount of time. We can use this time for a mini season. We can focus on something very different from what we just did, the Boston Marathon, or what we're about to do, the New York City Marathon, and instead focus on a short, fast race like a 10K or shorter, or some other type of short obstacle, trail, or track race. In this example, we're changing the focus of training for a brief period to hopefully turn some of that endurance into speed during a shorter, faster season. Double-digit long runs, of course, should still be maintained during this time, but mostly we're focused on the shorter race distance. We're focusing on training that's very different from marathon training. It will likely include faster workouts, lower mileage, and potentially even more frequent workouts. Even if you don't actually race any shorter races, this option works really well because you're working on different energy systems and skills that you don't really work on as much during marathon training. That variation in training, the changing focus, helps you improve. Now, I would say this example is a bit more advanced. It's for the healthy, driven runner who wants to train hard. You'll get enough rest and easy running, but not too much. Now, let's throw in a small wrinkle into this scenario. What happens if you come away from Boston feeling beat up, feeling really sore and tired and creaky and almost ready to get injured? Even after that break from running after Boston, you don't feel good. You're worried about getting hurt if you keep training hard. What do you do in this case? Well, as an aside, I really don't think injury-prone runners should train for two marathons a year, but we can save that for another episode. If the schedule remains the same, how should they treat those 11 weeks? Well, for this hypothetical runner, I would take that 11-week period as a back-to-basics, focus-on-the-fundamentals-based training season. I would do a lot of slow running, a lot of strength training, and some easy, relatively low-key barefoot running. We're talking just a minute or two at a time, or perhaps some barefoot strides. And I would also do one weekly workout. But I would really make sure that that workout was pretty easy, and I'd probably alternate between some sort of tempo-oriented workout, like any workout where you're working at marathon, half marathon, or tempo pace, and then also hill workouts, short hills, long hills. I think you can use almost any type of hill workout during this hypothetical base training phase, as long as the intensity and the recovery and the volume of what you're doing is appropriate. 
And the goals during this season are building injury resiliency, consistency, and strength. And those skills will help propel this hypothetical athlete into fall marathon training healthy and in good shape. Okay, let's look at a very different scenario. What if the race distances were not marathons, but 5Ks? Let's just flip the scenario. So instead of focusing on a fast, short-distance mini-season in between your two goal marathons, now instead we're going to focus on the other end of the spectrum, endurance. We do this by using these 11 weeks as a time for base building. Now, the base training phase of training is also called the introductory or the foundational training period. This is typically the first phase of a training cycle. It's what prepares runners for the more challenging race-specific workouts that will come later. And the goals during a base training season are to, number one, increase your endurance, or in other words, your aerobic capacity. Number two, begin training the central nervous system so the communication pathways between your brain and muscles are efficient. And number three, you improve your muscular strength to prevent injuries and you smooth that transition to the more challenging workouts to come. So this mini season focuses on building mileage, increasing the distance of the long run, aerobic workouts, like we talked about earlier, fast but not hard running, there's a big difference there, and strength work. We're not doing super tough workouts, we're putting that energy into mileage, strength work, and consistency. You'll see that what we're doing here is we're varying the focus of our training. We don't want to always train for 5Ks or marathons or really any race distance. So no matter what event distance you prefer, know that alternating your goals is a very smart idea to keep improving. Okay, I want to share some of my decision making here so that if your situation is slightly different, and of course it will be, you can adapt this guidance to help your running. I'm basically following four principles that will help you make this decision for yourself. So the first principle is this idea of cycles. I want you to always think in terms of training cycles. And that cycle almost always begins with rest. Then there's easy running. Then there's hard running and racing. And then you go back to rest. And that is essentially periodization. What we're talking about now is periodizing your training so that you are always varying the effort of your running between really no effort at all when you're resting to very easy running and that increases during the season to your ultimate goal race near the end of that season you're doing hard workouts you're doing tune-up races you're getting ready for that goal race but then as soon as that goal race is over you take some time off from running recharge the batteries get back to a spot where you're excited to train again. Any little niggles or injuries that you might have had can now be taken care of. And then you start the process again. The second principle that I'm following here is variety. Now, we need variety in terms of our training, but also in terms of our skill development. Running fast is a skill. And so if you're someone who's always running marathons, you don't run really fast too frequently. And the skill of running fast, of running economically, efficiently, with smooth, graceful form, is one that has to be practiced regularly. And by varying the distance of our goal race, 
we can really help ourselves build more skills into our training because every race distance has different types of workouts that are better suited to that race distance. So if you're always doing marathons, well, you're always doing marathon training. And if you're always racing 5Ks, well, you're kind of always doing 5K training and challenging yourself in new ways and varying the stress that your body experiences is one of the most effective ways of keeping those adaptations happening and keeping that improvement happening. Now, if you're always running marathons, you also have less of a need for base training. And the opposite is true. You have more of a need for base training if you're always racing shorter distances. You're always focusing on the 5Ks, the 10Ks, and you're not doing a lot of the, the base building, the long runs, the higher mileage. So your variety could be different from someone else's variety. It really depends on your background and the races that you prefer to train for. Now, the third principle I'm using for this guidance is to always be training. Always be training. Even sometimes, if your training plan says take a rest day, you don't do anything. But that rest day is an integral part of your training. Now, often during the training week, we need a rest day. Sometimes many runners need two rest days. And that happens all in one week. But runners also need to recognize that if we zoom further out, we don't need a rest day within a week. Sometimes we need a rest week within a training cycle. And it's that idea that is so powerful for your improvement because then it labels rest as training. Sometimes rest is strategic. And if we are always thinking in terms of cycles, like we talked about before, then it means we're always training, even if we're resting. It's a planned rest. We know what we're going to do afterwards. We're going to get back on the horse, start doing some easy running, get back on there with strides and just starting to build the long run distance. Then you move into the race-specific workouts. You start doing more challenging work. You start running tune-up races, and your season peaks with your goal race. Then you rest. Everything is cyclical, which means that you are always training. And then our fourth principle that I'm relying on here is focus on your weaknesses. If you always run marathons, your weakness is speed. If you always race 5Ks, your weakness is probably endurance. If you never run races, your weakness is that, well, you're probably not training. You're probably not doing hard workouts and long runs and going through progressions of mileage workouts and long runs. And it's that that really is substantially important for your improvement. And if you're an injury-prone runner, then obviously your weakness is running injuries. <laughs> and of course, we want to focus on that during training. That's why our second example, when I threw in that little wrinkle, if you are a highly injury prone runner, maybe we shouldn't squeeze in that mini season. Maybe we should focus on fundamentals, move away from the really hard workouts so that we can gain strength and consistency so that we can focus on our ultimate goal later that fall. So there we have it, guys. Now you know what to do during the off-season if you have a medium amount of time. Now, if it's much longer than about 10 weeks or so, you can complete a whole new training cycle. 
if it's maybe six weeks or less, I'd just add a few more weeks of base training. So whether you're training for track races, marathons, trail races, or ultras, the framework that we've discussed today will help you make better decisions about your training. And of course, better training decisions lead to faster racing. Don't forget to check out our newest sponsor, Pure, at pwure.com. They're offering 20% off your first month with code NEXTLEVEL at checkout. You can use either your Strava data or an online consultation and create pre-run and post-run personalized shakes using all organic ingredients. Now, they're the first company to use your fitness data to craft on-demand nutrition. And I think the potential of this is just awesome. And it reminds me of the testing and the effort that goes into elite marathoners and their fueling. And Pure has been testing their products with Pro Runners. And the promise here is that they can deliver optimized, better ratios of carbohydrate to protein so you can perform better and recover faster. You get a post-workout dose recommendation, so everything they make and recommend is unique to you. All of their formulas can be made vegan. There are four flavors to choose from, and you can even add vitamins. I thought it was pretty cool that 82% of users saw performance and recovery improvement after just a month, and 86% would recommend it to a friend. You can see all they have to offer at pure.com. That's P-W-U-R-E.com. And don't forget that code NEXTLEVEL will save you 20% on your first month. That's it for me today and for the year. We'll be in touch in 2021 with more episodes, amazing guests, unique insights, and of course, actionable knowledge to help you become a better runner. Have a wonderful New Year's, and we'll be in touch soon.